how do you work with complex messages? So if you have a particularly technical product, perhaps there's a concept that might be a little bit difficult to explain because it requires context or a little bit of extra background information to make sense of, or perhaps you have a niche application for what you do, or maybe even a niche market that you work in. How can you break through with that with simple, clear messaging and ultimately become your customer's only choice? Well, that's what we're going to discuss today on The Humble Pie. Welcome back to The Humble Pie. Very happy to have you here um, with me today. And I'd like to talk about something that's super close to the work that I do. Um, and in fact, it's not only a passion of mine uh, when it comes to work, but also something that I'm intellectually interested in, in how do you kind of um, make sense of the challenge of becoming your customer's only choice. It's something that, uh, it's a phrase, if you like, that um, I've become quite enamored with lately. And it really, for me, captures the idea of what a business, um, you know, kind of should strive to be or to become when it comes to exciting an audience and nurturing them for the long run to the point where the competition that might be around you or might have been a problem at a previous point um, in the past is no longer a threat because simply in the messaging that you have, in the quality of the product, in the way that you deliver your products and the value that everybody feels around you, um, there's just no comparison and there's no competition. And when it comes to how you uh, deliver that in the marketplace, there's really no other choice other than what you do. Now, that's a great idea. And that is something that I think most of us, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't be a stretch for the imagination to, to, to understand. The problem, though, is what happens when you've got a niche product or something that is quite difficult or complicated to first communicate, to break through a sort of a uh, understanding barrier, if you like, and then begin the process of creating a customer or creating an audience. So if anything, there's there's a sort of a second step there, or a, or a first step rather, that needs to happen in order for you to really make sense of the customer's world for them. But rather, it also means that you have to be making sense of your own world to yourself first, in order for that to make sense for everybody else. So what I mean by that is, having a really strong and solid understanding of the complexity of a world that you might work in. Perhaps it's a product, perhaps it's something very technical, that you might be working in an industry where the order of the day is a whole lot of jargon and a whole lot of kind of, um, you know, technical terms that to sort of the man on the street, they might not understand, or perhaps they understand a little bit. But as a, uh, a previous uh, father-in-law of mine used to say, um, he used to say a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And that really is true because I think a lot of the time now in the, you know, the, the current age that we're in, it's easy to have a sort of a, a Wikipedia level of knowledge of something, especially um, if it might be um, of interest to somebody. Perhaps it might be in blockchain, perhaps it's in the energy sector, perhaps it's in astrophysics or biochemistry or electric cars. It doesn't really matter what it is. The point is that these all have varying levels of uh, kind of a barrier of understanding, if you like. And that is a problem if it goes unresolved, because it means that 
if you don't create simple points of reference for your clients, or perhaps in this case, your audience, for them to really just get on the same page on how you view that problem and ultimately how you solve that challenge, where your value fits in exactly into that problem, then I'll, unfortunately, it's always going to be a real challenge to get people to understand what you do. Because the problem with noise is that all noise ultimately sounds the same. It might be very good noise. It might be, um, you know, super technical and smart, complicated noise. But to the customer's ears and to the problems that they might face and the challenges they have when it comes to deadlines or keeping budgets or keeping good people or, you know, getting uh, products onto the shelves, whatever it might be for them, the same core issues and the same pain points, the drivers, are always going to be the same for them, whether they sell candy or whether they sell electric cars. So the role that you play is always actually going to be the same. You're always going to be there to solve a need, to articulate and to sort of, you know, determine what an exact problem is, and then to, you know, help fill that gap with value. However, when it comes to working with complex messages, when you're in a complex world, um, and you've got to try a little harder to sort of first lay the groundwork in putting in some common terms of reference to simplify certain definitions before the actual audience journey starts. That's something that a lot of people and a lot of companies don't seem to get right. And I think they <laughs> the real problem is that often they think that's simply because something is complex and it might have a very niche application. Perhaps it only applies to a handful of people, a handful of companies that might care about what's going on in a, in a particular small sector. Maybe it's still growing. Maybe it's underdeveloped. Maybe there isn't enough competition. But the problem is that a lot of people end up just crossing their arms and saying, well, you know what, we work in a complex world, we have a very, you know, uh, specific, unique, special product that, uh, you know, does X, Y, and Z. It might not always be un easy to understand what X, Y, and Z is, but because it's special and because we think we occupy a unique point in the market and because it's just technical and that's the way it is, um, we don't have to really do any work on trying to make it simple because we think that making it simple uh, is going to dumb it down and is going to dilute the value. So I've been working a lot with um, a couple companies over the last few years and and I've heard a version of um, the kind of the little radio play that I gave you over the last few seconds there so many times. And while that might in the short term um, alleviate a little bit of anxiety around the fact that you might work in a complex environment or that it's technical and that's okay. And it is okay. That's fine if, if, you, if you do work in a space where not a lot of people understand it or there's, once again, that barrier to understanding that needs to be overcome. That's fine. That's okay. But the problem is that when it comes to adopting what you do and seeing the value, not just in the few people that might understand it, but creating new customers beyond that, if you don't change your position around the fact that it's technical and that's the way it'll be and, uh, you know, we're not going to dumb it down and so on, then unfortunately you're going to stay static. You're going to stay where you are while other people are going to be able to solve that riddle for themselves before you do. So 
in other words, like most things in competition and capitalism, <laughs> um, somebody else is going to get there if you don't. And I think there's, secondly, there's a real danger in feeling that just because something is, um, you know, complex and it's got various different parts and um, it's multifarious in its nature and, you know, there's nuances to how to explain it and talk about it and what it does. The problem is that um, if that stays like that, um, you know, the, the idea of losing nuance by trying to simplify it or distill what you're doing um, you're really going to come up short with your customer because once again, you're not going to enhance their worldview. You're not going to take the opportunity to make things simpler for them to understand those core root issues, which like I said, don't change whether you sell candy or whether you sell um, you know, cryptocurrencies. It's always going to be the same. They always have the same kind of basic bare bones pain points that you as someone in their market actually have a duty to help them simplify that understanding or you help them sort of to, to realize the value of what you do in pushing them forward or closer to their objective. So what I want to do is, is, is kind of look at a couple of the strategies that um, both that I've used and that I've researched and I've seen in action to really make sense of complexity to you know, find a few different ways, it's a tool set really, to find a few different ways to work with complexity in a way of either helping to explain how something complex might work or perhaps showcase the simplicity in complexity. So what I mean by that is um, finding different ways or finding um, a logical progression of thinking or explanation or perhaps um, through good questions or maybe even through the power of storytelling, which is um, something that I do and focus on a lot to help to show the nuance and to show and to appreciate something if it is complex and to really, you know, kind of appreciate the full spectrum of why it exists and why it's a sophisticated system that you might be representing. But at the same time, the way that it works or the way that it achieves value um, and ultimately helps to create a customer to solve a customer's problem is actually quite simple and quite direct and makes sense. So it's easy to appreciate the complexity without being lost in it. And that is really the, the kind of the driving point that I really want to hammer home here. It's okay for something to be sophisticated. It's okay for your product to be technical. Of course, if it has a particular technical use and a utility that only makes sense in a niche field, that's fine. But you have to make a commitment to your customer, to yourselves, to your team, to the value of your product, to really try to get to the bottom of how simply and how how much how much distilling can be done in order to communicate the product and to communicate your value. There's really no excuse, in my opinion, to, to kind of fold the arms and say, well, it's technical, it's complex, we're just going to leave it there, and the customer's the one that's got to do the work. Eh, wrong. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the work to make it easier and to make sense of your customer's world for them or with them. Okay, so... Let's get into it. And, and, and here and there, I'll, I'll, these are kind of four or five different points which I, 
have felt um, have really worked, you know, to to sort of break the deadlock, to make sense of a situation, and often for me to <laughs> make sense of it myself in the work that I've been doing with with clients across blockchain, across uh, software and technology, renewable energy, um, and a lot of the time uh, in these experiences that I've had, um, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of extremely smart people, and so. There's a lot that I've learned in order to, to, to kind of get my own head around what they do for me to appreciate the nuance um, and then kind of work backwards and reverse engineer the parts and see, well, how simple can we get this? How much easier can it be to explain, to understand and to feel uh, the value that you actually do? Um, so the first one, um, speaking about uh, being the dumbest guy in the room, the first one has always been my first kind of tactic when it comes to you know coming into a new environment, working with a bunch of people, perhaps it's a tech team, perhaps it's a software development team. And it's really about kind of honing your ability to ask good questions. So for me, a problem or a challenge that is stated or framed clearly and understood clearly in the form of a question um, is already halfway there. It's already halfway fixed. And questions and good questions can really help you to do this because not only does it demonstrate your understanding when you frame that question or when you put it out there, but also it forces the other person to really kind of self-interrogate when they you know, need to be able to, to kind of put up a de- decent answer to that question. So I always find that when I'm trying to sort of put together some notes on a, on a one-pager, trying to understand a new product, you know, that has a lot of technicality in its nature, that has a sophisticated kind of structure to it, whether it's the technology, whether it might be the process, whether it might be uh, the contributions of the people behind it in its development, I always find that formulating your thinking into super sort of specific questions um, and you can even use these as kind of, you know, section headings, if you like, um, can really help to arrange your thinking um, along the same lines um, as, as, the, as the kinds of questions that ultimately your audience will be asking. So it's, it's not, it's, while it's important to understand the product on hard works, you know, to, to the very kind of, you know, nth degree, to the final detail really the kinds of things that your audience will be asking should always be the driver um, to the way you tell the story. So the, 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 the questions that you ask is really should be sort of asked, you know, from the, the first person view of your audience. How are these sorts of things going to help me in my life as a product manager, as perhaps somebody who's, um, you know, trying to achieve uh, better uptime for my customers in my particular area. Perhaps I'm trying to replace an existing technology stack. Um, how is what you're doing going to be able to, to, to kind of remedy that directly? Also, another key sort of uh, part of this is to be able to ask questions that demonstrates the need beyond what you might be saying. So what I'm in other words, you have to be able to show a need or a particular pain point in the market beyond just why you might think it's a need, right? So, for example, um, if people want, uh, you know, a, a different flavor chewing gum, but you've already got strawberry and Coca-Cola and uh, pineapple flavor, um, before you go out and start creating 
a vanilla flavored chocolate uh, chewing gum. I'm not a chewing gum uh, uh, consumer, so I suppose maybe that's showing. But before you go out and create another flavor, you've got to be able to show that there's need or there's demand or there's direct interest in that flavor. And good questions can help to kind of uncover um, whether that need exists um, and also how independent that need is from your own point of view. There has to be something in the market that is going to sort of, you know, be there waiting for, for your product or your variation of the product um, by the time it's developed. Otherwise, you're going to be creating something that has no audience. Sometimes there could be some exceptions where um, there might be a need for something because it's created by your products. You know, uh, uh, Steve Jobs and Apple, they created a need for the iPhone. But at the same time, it could also be argued that the iPhone was born out of an existing need of some kind for a smartphone to be able to, to handle much more complex applications, to be integrated with the rest of Apple's ecosystem, and for them to really kind of open up a whole host of other needs that people didn't know before the iPhone existed. So in a sense, if it's something that you can't you know, determine directly, that's maybe because the need is coming from another place. So really all of this comes out of asking questions. Ask why is this needed? Who is it going to solve? Who is it going to um, you know, help directly? Who are the individual people who might be interested in how this works, in where it's going to help them directly in their life? And kind of moving from that into the second area is using the power of sort of context and storytelling to now kind of take those questions that you formulated as a starting point and begin to develop examples or perhaps little anecdotes or mini stories that give life and give a little bit of detail and some relevance to the questions that you're asking and now the, the, the story that you're weaving together. Now, this is really important, once again, if you're working in complexity, because normally in technical environments, in niche environments, we're specifically working with technology, there's always going to be data and numbers and details and graphs that are somewhere along the line going to appear. So the, the problem a lot of the time um, with uh, sort of numbers and data and using that as a focal point in your story and the way that you explain or at least answer some of those key questions is that it doesn't, it provides detail, but it doesn't provide relevance. So there's a really, really, really big difference there that, that I think so often is easy to miss. Using a whole lot of numbers and data to kind of back up a story is good because it provides the detail to how much there might be a market need or how much there might be, um, you know, in terms of uh, raw amounts of sort of data that drives forward the particular need in the market. That, that has a place, definitely. But it has to be explained. It has to be given some context. Um, it's easy to think that the context part or the storytelling part is the fluff, is the part where, you know, you kind of got to engineer something elaborate in order to tell a story around the, the numbers and the data. My friend, it is the other way around because context is king. The context needs to come first. The numbers and the data, that fills in. That is there to back up 
the story that you're telling. That is there to provide the details to the relevance that you're giving in the context, but it's not the other way around. The context, the story needs to come first, the numbers second, not the other way around. Because ultimately, your audience needs help to now manage the complexity that they have in their world. If you're just giving them more numbers and data and boom, 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 there's a whole lot of things you need to understand before you can work with us, that's not helping. That's really not helping move the needle. It might make you feel good in the fact that your product is one of a kind because it's so you know uh, complex and sophisticated, but it isn't moving the dial for your customer. And you need context. You need a little bit of storytelling and understanding of what some of these key questions are to unpick that, to make sense of for your audience. And that's, once again, that's a duty that you have to your audiences to make sense of their world or to at least to provide a helping hand when it comes to that. So um, another Another area that I've found um, when it comes to working with complexity and, and you know, delivering complex messages is sometimes to, it really helps to um, switch up the medium. So a lot of the time we see complexity because it comes in words, in numbers, in the usual kind of alphanumeric script that we become so used to reading and ingesting on a daily basis, whether it's the news, whether it's Wikipedia, whether it's on social media, Reddit, or, you know, perhaps you're trawling the forums of, you know, <laughs> of developer forums and GitHub and so on. The problem is that we, I think, have become a little bit, I don't want to use the word jaded, but a little bit sort of um, oversensitized or desensitized rather to reading information all the time rather than exciting another um, uh, faculty, if you like, exciting another way of ingesting information to help the understanding of a concept flow a little bit more easily. So really what I'm saying is that sometimes being able to see is better than to read. So what do I mean by that? So let me give you an example. I've been working with a designer lately to, to help me to kind of illustrate a very complex um, uh, sort of process um, for a client of mine who works in the blockchain space. And the designer has helped me to kind of take, you know, a whole bunch of words, a whole bunch of concepts, and instead of writing them down in a Google Doc or perhaps to, you know, put them in paragraph format where everybody is now going to have to, you know, read in their day, take out the time to, you know, read in yet another um, complex uh, description of something in another paragraph in all of their emails that they get. Rather, I've been working with a designer to take all of that and put it into a picture, put it into an infographic or a completely visual layout. Of course, it still has some words on it, but the point is that the idea is expressed in a different medium. And when you take it out of its sort of original medium and you put it into another medium and it works, or it creates a new line of thinking or new connections in the brain because there's different faculties being used in order to understand that. It gives you a fresher angle, another format that now gives you a, a different sense of perspective and context um, into that idea and into understanding that idea. It doesn't only have to be visual. Sometimes it can be uh, in, in the format that you're listening to right now, sometimes just hearing somebody else talk about it. So often, um, you know, we're surrounded by great auditory thinkers who are there to, you know, explain 
and inspire us by the way that they talk. And sometimes just listening to them in the way that we consume audiobooks is such a great way for us to kind of change our perspective a little bit and to ease the flow of understanding. And that is often what's lacking, the different perspective into something. That's often why it might be very difficult to understand something if you read it in an article online, but perhaps if you're able to visualize it on a chart or perhaps you know watch it unfold in a video or another medium, it immediately clicks. It immediately is understandable. And that is really the power of sometimes um, kind of investing and uh, kind of really, really getting into another medium um, for, 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 for you to sort of make sense of the complexity. The other area that I've found um, really, really useful is making um, use of different sort of forms of logic. Um, so going back to how we might be explaining something. So We've spoken about how to showcase complexity, how to ask good questions, how to you know not skimp on the storytelling and the context that you're providing on why this is relevant and why it makes sense given the complexity. We've spoken a little bit about uh, visualizing or using another medium in order to, to to kind of understand something rather than just reading it. And um, another way of kind of getting into the detail, if you like, is to provide simple ways of explaining the detail. So sometimes it might be almost impossible to get to the point where you can explain or simplify something um, in a way that is easier than when you first experienced it. Okay, so there might be some battles that you can't win there, and that's fine. However, what you can do is provide simple mechanisms for explaining that. And what do I mean by that? So a really, really kind of useful and trusty little sidekick that I often use is what I call the law of three. So when you're able to split up your information, split up the reasons or the data or the evidence that you're providing into three simple steps or three simple questions, perhaps it's three key takeaways that you're going to explain. You really are giving yourself a useful and intuitive structure on how to make that easier, how to present that, and how to understand it in an easy way. So the, the reason the actual structure is simple. The information you give, that might be a bit complex, and you might have tried to simplify that, but what makes it easier and in many ways more memorable, or rememberable rather, <laughs> if that's a word, is the fact that you used a simple recognizable way of explaining it. And for me, it, it can be different for you. It might be using pictures. It might be using, you know, simple, super intuitive graphs. For me, it's about using the law of three. There's always three reasons. For me, it works because one, sometimes sound solutions need simple logical structure to move their case forward. Number two, it provides a structure to keep track of what's being established as you're building your proposition, as you're making the case for what you're saying. And number three, people follow you better when you break it down. So instead of giving them a whole boom, word salad, you're really giving them those bullet points, if you like, those one, two, three solutions to make it easier for them to feel each of those reasons um, and to kind of almost, you know, give them the sense of helping them to simplify it themselves while you're doing that because you're using a simple one, two, three structure. And if you didn't already notice, I just used a sort of a, a little three-step structure to explain what I was talking about there. See what I did there. So explaining things, the mechanism by which you explain it should also try and, and be as simple as possible. 
So those are some of the, the, the things that have really helped me when it comes to um, working with the kinds of companies um, that I've been working with over the last few years who really are trying to find new ways of exciting their audiences, of building communities online around a product that is pretty complex. Now, sometimes you might be um, you might you might be fortunate enough to have a particular community or a particular group of people in your audience who are able to follow along with everything. They understand everything. They get it. They don't need explanation, or there might be only a few things that you know th- th- that they need to enhance their understanding so that they're on the same page with you. And that's great. However, it doesn't mean that you get a free pass because when it comes time to building that audience and scaling that audience for everybody to be on the same page, it's a lot harder for you to do that with 10,000 or 50,000 people rather than 100 people. So it's something that I always try and encourage people to do to kind of get into the habit of speaking simply, you know, really embrace the ability to express your value as simply and as directly as possible. There's, there's, you don't need to kind of give in to the complexity to just fold the arms, as I say, and leave it where it is just because that's how it is. I'm telling you, there will be competitors nipping at your heels and ultimately doing that first before you. And that is no way to become the customer's only choice. So I hope that was useful. I hope it was helpful to kind of, um, you know, just open the pathways a little bit when it comes to how to find ways to explain complexity, to manage complexity. If you work in a particularly technical environment, if you've got a very niche application for what you do, or your market is quite um, sort of exacting and requires specific information for what they do, the real key is to invest in asking good questions to be able to not skimp on storytelling and always provide the context rather than only the numbers and the data. Um, You know, really make use of different mediums. Often the visual medium is the most effective when you're explaining what you do and the effects of what you do and using simple structures to explain the logic to showcase why or how you're able to get to where you are as a result of the amazing machine that you've created or perhaps the super technical, never-before-seen uh, product that you've that you've spent years building. And just finally, to, to kind of close off, if you think about it, if you make these investments in, 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 in really trying to explain what you do as simply as possible, you are only helping yourself. Not only your community, not only the people you work with, but you really are giving your product a new sort of life, a new way of being seen, a perspective that I think is often missing in um, often com- sort of complicated environments where you maybe have quite similar types of competitors, such as you know people working in you know biotechnology or perhaps it's in cryptography or whatever the case may be. Everybody is complex. Everybody's doing similar types of things, even though there might be many material differences. But the point is that as soon as you make a little bit of investment in trying to really explain things more simply and tell a story as to how and why this is the kind of thing that's going to provide value in the lives of your customers, which is the point of any product, then right off the bat, you're in a winning, you're on a winning streak. You're already positioning yourself for success. So it's, um, it isn't as difficult as it might seem. It's definitely something worth doing. And um, I look forward to, to, to being able to, to, to reach out 
and to having a look one day and sitting down with you and uh, and seeing if this is the kind of thing that we can we can look at together. Until then, thanks so much for tuning into the Humble Pie. Um, I hope that was helpful and uh, looking forward to having you join me next time. Take care.